And we'll read the first seven verses of 1 Thessalonians 4. Listen now to the reading of God's holy word. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as received from us how you ought to walk and to please God. For you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion or of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Let's seek the Lord's blessing on this His Word. Lord God in heaven, how we do praise You and thank You and rejoice that You have given us Your Holy Word. And we pray that as we come to this particular topic and passage, and that you would help us to see the truth that is here, that you would help challenge us to strive after holiness and pursue sanctification as we rest and rely upon your grace to enable us to do so. And so we just pray for your blessing now upon your word and upon our uh, time this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as the Apostle Paul writes to these faithful believers in Thessalonica, he's motivated to uh, to give them great praise and encouragement because of the report that Timothy had brought back to him about how these believers in this Greek city were thriving in faith. And though he praises them to encourage them, he doesn't want them to be content with the status quo or... Uh, And so at the end of chapter 3, he prays that they might abound in love for one another. And then at the opening of chapter 4, he charges that he desires they should abound more and more. And then verse 3 says, For this is the will of God, your sanctification. And so as they abound in love and faithfulness, They're urged also to abound even more and more in sanctification and godliness. For this is God's will for them, even as it is for us. People often wonder what God's will is for them in this or that situation. And aside from the ultimate plan and purpose of God that we are called to glorify and enjoy Him in all things, for us in particular... God's plan and purpose is that we would be sanctified. But what exactly does that mean? Sanctification, defined kind of in a more technical sense, is the process of making holy, dedicating, and sanctifying. As the operation of the Spirit making holy, causing to belong completely to God, sanctifying work. So sanctification is the process of being made holy. And holiness is critical. In Hebrews 12, uh, the writer of the Hebrews charges, pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. 
And so if we want to stand in the glorious presence of the Lord, we must be holy. Because no sin or no sinner can stand in the presence of God's holiness. Well, sanctification is the process by which we are made holy. And the more we're made holy, the more we're actually conformed to the perfect holy image of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Paul says this in Romans 8, he says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And so God's plan and purpose for us is that we would be like Jesus. And we've talked about this in relation to uh, what we've been going over in, uh, in the book of James. We would be holy and righteous even as Jesus is holy and righteous. And so our holiness is then tied very intimately with Jesus Christ. In fact, uh, we considered, as we considered with justification uh, several weeks ago, when we're declared right in God's sight at the time of justification, it's because we're wrapped in the holy and righteous robes of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have our own righteousness, we're wrapped in Christ's righteousness. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So sanctification and justification are closely connected because all whom God justifies, he will sanctify, as Paul goes on to mention later in Romans 8. We can't become holy unless we have the guilt of sin removed from us in that uh, declaration of justification. But we have to be careful here that we don't confuse justification with sanctification. They are related, but they're not the same thing. Justification is a one-time act. That is, we're made right with God and we're declared holy in His sight because of Christ's righteousness. But you see, we're not yet perfect And as we'll see, we still have that remnant of the sin nature in us, and we sin each and every day, several times a day. And so sanctification is the process whereby God conforms us over time to the fuller, more perfect image of Jesus Christ. And this continues on for the rest of our lives. And so uh, justification is a, uh, is, uh, a declaration at the time we first believe, sanctification is uh, the continued uh, working out of that holiness and sanctification, or that holiness in us. Now we remember that both justification and adoption were acts. That is, they happened at a specific point in time by God's grace. <clears throat> and they're done once. And though there is a kind of what we might call a definitive aspect of sanctification, that is, as the confession notes, that the dominion of the whole body of sin is destroyed. And so when we believe um, in Christ, that Christ, uh, the sin no longer has dominion over us. Christ reigns in us. Sanctification, though, for the most part, is a work in progress. And the confession continues saying, And the several lusts thereof 
are more and more weakened and mortified, and they more and more quickened and strengthened in all saving graces to practice of true holiness. And so this work is begun by God according to His free grace, which He offers to us and is made possible really and personally through the virtue or the power of Christ's death and resurrection by His Word and by His Spirit dwelling in us. Now, it's not something that we achieve on our own, but unlike our regeneration and justification, which is purely the work of the Spirit of God alone, sanctification, though begun and sustained by the work of the Spirit in us, is something that we cooperate in. That is, it's called it's synergistic. Synergistic basically being a working together or a combining so God, through the Holy Spirit, enables us to do this work. And so justification is an act uh, of God. We're not involved. But sanctification is something that the Spirit enables us to work with the Spirit uh, that we might become more and more holy. Consider what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Thessalonians 2. He says this, verse 13, But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. And so Paul is reminding the Thessalonians that God chose them to the appointed end of salvation and that this salvation would be completed By the work of God's Spirit through sanctification. And then in Philippians 2, Paul says it a bit differently. Similar thing, but just he uses a different way to say it. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but how now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Now we'll come back to this, but note that we're to do something, we're to work out our own salvation. But we can't do this on our own. We need God, the Spirit of God, who works in you, both to will and to do for His good pleasure. And so God, through the Holy Spirit, provides the enabling power for us to work toward holiness and the perfection of our salvation in Christ. So as the grace of God enables us to be sanctified, we must keep in mind that we're, we are not going to be perfect in this life. That is, we won't be made perfectly holy and without sin. But there is hope for great progress. The Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 12, paragraph 2, says this, This sanctification is throughout... In the whole man, yet imperfect in this life, there abiding still some remnant of corruption in every part, whence arises a continual and irreconcilable war, the flesh lusting against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And so sanctification progresses throughout in the whole man. Right. So there's progress being made, but it's not to the point of perfection. And as we saw earlier in Romans 8, verse 29, this was God's purpose for us, that we would become perfect, that we would become like Christ Himself. 
And again, remember, outside of Christ, we're dead in sins and in in uh, in our, our corruption. And so, when the Spirit works that regeneration, bringing us to new life uh, in our hearts, giving us a, a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone, we are renewed. But the renewal doesn't stop there. It continues as the Spirit and as the grace of God continues to strengthen us each day. And so in the Scriptures, the renewal and the process of sanctification are described as the Spirit enabling us as we rely on the grace of God each and every day, especially to put off the old way of living, the old way of sin, and to put on the new way of living in Christ Jesus. Paul says this in Ephesians 4, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. This putting off and putting on is a command. That is, it's something that God calls us to do. But again, we can't do it in our own strength. The Spirit must be at work in us. And note also that it's not something that we do once and then we're done. It's not like we get up in the morning, okay, here's the sin, I'm going to put that sin to death. Okay, I've got victory, I don't have to worry about it again. No, the action is continual. It takes time to put off the old ways and to put on the new. And again, that's the process of sanctification. And this is a, a great struggle. It's even a war, as the, the confession referred to it, as a, as a war that we daily wrestle with the remnant of the sin nature that's in us. Inflamed, of course, by Satan's continual attacks and temptations that he sets before us. It's a great spiritual war that we're engaged in. And this is what Paul talks about and describes in Romans 7. Romans 7, beginning at verse 14, he says this, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will do, for what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. If then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me. But how to perform what is good, I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I practice. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. For I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity of the law of sin which is in my members. And then he concludes with this, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Now it's a little challenging to, to follow that. That what I want to do, I don't want to do. That what I don't want to do, that's what I do. Now, some even will falsely claim that in this passage, Paul is, is actually speaking of a struggle before his conversion. But as you read through that passage carefully in Romans 7, it becomes clear that Paul is speaking about 
an ongoing struggle after conversion because of the remnant of that sin nature which Paul calls the flesh and that it remains in him. You see, and the other thing is because outside of Christ, well, there is no struggle, right? We're not at war. We're, we're at peace, as it were, with the flesh outside of Christ. We're guided by our own sinful hearts to do and act in accordance with our own sin nature. But it's only when we're converted and believe the gospel and have an understanding of the law of God that we begin to understand what our sin is and how detestable it is before God. And so if we're actually struggling with sin, it's actually a good thing because it means the Spirit is still at work in us. Working with our spirit to sanctify us and to make us more like Christ. And if you're not struggling with sin, well then that's maybe not a good sign and it should be reason for cause for examination. So remember then, lest we lose hope, that though we struggle and engage in this fierce battle each and every day, it is not a hopeless battle. But it's a battle that doesn't end overnight. Indeed, it takes a lifetime of struggle and war with sin and temptation within ourselves. And this is the encouragement that we find in the Confession, uh, chapter 12, paragraph 3, in which war, although the remaining corruption for a time may prevail, yet through the continual supply of strength from the sanctifying Spirit of Christ, the regenerate part does overcome. And so the saints... Grow in grace, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. And so as we grow and mature in grace and and knowledge of God's Word, we see here that our lives will be transformed. It will be easier for us uh, over time to resist those things which used to easily ensnare us. And it will be easier for us to do that which God would have us to do. And when we first start out in our Christian lives, the struggles are going to be more fierce. But as we diligently rely upon the grace of God each and every day, and we look to the Lord, we look to His uh, to the Spirit to give us strength, as so we look to the Word to be strengthened, as we partake of the various means of grace, well then that struggle should get easier and easier. And over time, we gain more and more and greater and greater victory. And this is what the confession describes as the saints growing in grace. Right? We grow and get stronger in the Spirit of God, and we become more and more holy in God's sight. And so even though it's a daily struggle, and even though we're not going to reach perfection in this life, we should actually make great progress by the grace of God. But why do we do this? Why do we pursue sanctification in our lives and and engage in this daily battle uh, and resting in the grace of God? Sometimes it's it's so challenging we want to just give up. Why do we press on? Because sanctification is truly necessary for us. Again, as Paul mentioned here in 1 Thessalonians 4, it's God's will for us. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, 
And that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Right? That we're, this is what God's, his purpose, his plan for us is to be holy, our sanctification. And it's our guarantee here as well that we will make progress in sanctification and holiness as we rest in His grace. But we also note that the pursuit of sanctification also leads to eternal life. Paul says in Romans 6, But now, having been set free from sin, and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness, and the end, everlasting life. So the goal of our salvation is so that we might, in this life, strive to be holy as God is holy. And to glorify and serve Him with the assurance that at the end of the race that we run, the, 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 the race of faith that we run in this life, that at the very end, we will be perfected in holiness and we will achieve the ultimate goal of everlasting life. This then leads to the final reason that the pursuit of sanctification and holiness is necessary. And it's one we mentioned already at the beginning. For without sanctification and holiness, we will not stand in the presence of God. Again, Hebrews twelve fourteen: Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. And so if we want to see the Lord in all His glory and all His holiness for all eternity, we ourselves must be holy. And we can praise God that He hasn't just said this is what you need to do, here's the goal you need to accomplish, have at it. No, we can praise God that He has actually provided a way for us to achieve that end through the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ who saved and delivered us and and justifies us. But then He also gives us His Spirit working in us and through us to complete what He has started. And so that we will one day be perfectly holy, seeing God in all His glory, in all His holiness, without fear, without trembling, but with fullness of joy. And it will all be to the praise and glory and honor of His holy name. Let's pray. Oh gracious God in heaven, how we do praise You and thank You for the reminder of Your truth, their call to holiness to strive to rest in Your grace as we daily engage in the battle against sin, the remnant of the sin nature that remains in us. And some days it seems rather hopeless and we fail and we struggle and we fail again. And yet we just praise You and thank You that You do not give up on us. That what You have begun in us, You will bring to completion. And that as we make use of the means of grace, of Your Word and prayer, and the use of the sacraments and the fellowship of, the, of the, our time of worship, that You will truly strengthen us and encourage us to grow in grace and to be better equipped to fight these battles and to gain victory. And that slowly but surely we will become more and more holy. We will become more and more like Christ. 
And we pray, Lord, that as we do, we know we will not reach perfection in this life, but that even that as we would live those holy lives and strive for that holiness in this life, that we would then be examples to others. And that they would see how we live our lives, how different it is from the wicked way that the world lives. And that they would ask us for the reason and the hope that is in us. And that we would be ready to give that reason to share the gospel with them, that they too might join us in this highway to holiness, walking in truth and walking in your grace and resting daily in it, that we might reach that point of perfect holiness when Christ returns on the last great day. And Father, what a glorious time that will be when we will then be forever and ever and ever in your holy presence, in the fullness of your glory, enjoying the many blessings of your hand, all without fear, without trembling, but with great joy and gladness in our hearts. Father, we just rejoice and give thanks for these blessings. And we ask that you would now watch over us and bless us as we go from this place, that you would equip us to be faithful witnesses throughout this community, and that we might strive to do all that we do for your glory and honor and praise. And we ask for your blessing upon these things. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.